Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This is an Apostrophe Podcast production. We regret to inform you, the Rejection Podcast. Almost nobody had given me a chance to make the Steelers team. I had lifted weights, I had run sprints, I'd studied the playbook. I had become the only thing in life I really wanted to be, a professional football player. And then suddenly, it was all over. Rocky Blyer. One blustery afternoon, a bar owner and his wife welcome their first son into the world. 
they'd call him Robert Blyer. And tucked away at the back of their bar were a couple extra rooms that the new family of three would call home. In the evenings, when the open sign was illuminated, the proud new dad would bring patrons back to Robert's nursery to brag about his baby boy sleeping in his crib. And those patrons would marvel. Robert's tiny, squishy baby rolls looked a lot like muscles. They'd say, he looks like a little rock. Over the following months, returning customers looking to unwind at Blyer's bar would shout, Hey, how's that little rock of yours? And before he'd even departed his crib, it appeared that little rock had dropped the name Robert altogether. From then on, everyone called him Rocky Blyer, and he says, It's stuck like epoxy. If Blyer was a muscular baby, he'd be an even sturdier second grader. At age seven, he'd play football game after football game with the neighborhood kids in Appleton, Wisconsin. And he dominated, scoring as many as 50 touchdowns before his opponents inevitably gave up. By the fifth grade, Blyer joined his first organized football team, but was promptly pummeled by the seventh graders. He played wide receiver, caught one pass, then twisted his ankle. And just like that, the season was over. But before he could write off the black and blue as a simple sports injury, Blyer got some unsettling news from his doctor. He was diagnosed with something called Osgood-Schlatter disease, or as it's commonly known, growing disease. By the sixth grade, he was already five foot six and 140 pounds, and counting. It appeared his bones were growing more rapidly than the rest of his body. His muscles, ligaments, and cartilage were struggling to keep up. The recommended therapy? No sports for three years. Doctor's orders. Exertion risked tearing the already fragile cartilage away from the bone, which could have major repercussions down the line. No running, no one-on-one with the neighbors, no football. Blyer said he didn't know which was worse, going the rest of middle school without sports or having his heart ripped out. Twelve months into his three-year no-sports sentence, Blyer started getting antsy. And, as he tells the story in his memoir, Fighting Back, by seventh grade, he began sneaking a couple minutes on the basketball court here and there. Of course, without his parents' knowledge. He says he got away with it quite craftily until one of his teammates' fathers walked into Blyer's bar one day and asked Rocky's father if he was going to watch the boys' basketball game that evening. It was an odd question, since his son wasn't allowed to play basketball. Well, turns out his son was not only playing basketball, he was the captain of the team. By grade 8, Rocky Blyer had thrown all caution to the wind and led the team to a regional championship. That same year, he joined his middle school's football team and made starting quarterback. Somehow, despite the blatant disregard for doctor's orders, Blyer had grown out of his growing disease 
and he was off to high school. Blyer says Xavier High School in Appleton was known for its impressive athletic department for two reasons. One, it attracted talent from 10-plus elementary schools in the area. And two, they had Gene Torchy Clark. Clark was the school's athletic director and coach of the basketball and football teams. Blyer described Clark as red-haired and fiery-tempered, hence Torchy. Clark said from the first moment he met Rocky Blyer, he saw pure intensity. With the help of Coach Clark, Blyer learned to play multiple positions on the Xavier High School football team, both defense and offense. And in his sophomore year, they never lost a regular season game. As a junior, he went 25-0 on the basketball team, winning the state title. That same year, his football team went 9-0 in their regular season and brought home the state championship. In a final football game of his final year, Blyer carried the ball 30 times. He says he was hit by, quote, everyone in town, but managed to score the winning touchdown. Afterward, the opposing coach walked over to Coach Clark and said, You're lucky to have Blyer. My linebacker hit him so hard, he knocked himself out. Blyer scored at least one touchdown in every game he played, gaining more than 1,000 yards in each of his last two seasons. He spent the second half of most games on the sidelines. He says watching the reserves finish the job. On defense, he made all-conference as a linebacker and a defensive back. On offense, he was an all-state running back for three years. He even made a few All-America teams, landing himself on the cover of a national magazine. He won track conference titles three years in a row, pitched Legion baseball, and his talents transcended athletics. He won Best High School Band in America, playing trumpet. Blyer received 20 letters of interest from college football teams, including every team in the Big Ten, Boston College, and Notre Dame. It was an overwhelming decision. He'd never been to Indiana. He'd never even heard of South Bend. But recruiters from Notre Dame rolled out the red carpet for Blyer and offered him a scholarship. In the end, he narrowed his options down to three schools. And after wearing out his knees praying for guidance, he knew which offer to accept. He wanted Notre Dame. But when he got to South Bend, Blyer says he wasn't so sure Notre Dame wanted him. Looking around, or should I say looking up, at the other players on the Notre Dame football team was jaw-dropping for Blyer. At 5'11 and 185 pounds, he thought he was doing okay until he was introduced to Notre Dame's fullback, standing 6'2 and 220 pounds, not to mention his beard. It was like scrimmaging with Bigfoot. But acting as a practice opponent for the starting lineup was about the most action Blyer would see all year. 
getting pummeled by the real players to get them ready for the real games. That year, the team had a 9-1 record, their first solid season in years. But Blyer says he never felt like part of it, watching their wins on television like the rest of the fans. He said those first nine months felt like nine years. He started seriously regretting his decision. But he didn't tell anyone back home for fear of looking ungrateful or worse, unsuccessful. The problem was, nearly a decade after being told by doctors he was growing too quickly, he'd stopped growing altogether. Now, compared to the behemoths around him, he was the little guy. But that's when he remembered something. A comment the coach from the University of Wisconsin had made just a few months prior on a recruiting trip. He told Blyer he'd never seen anyone move so quick laterally, adding, You move faster sideways than most guys do forward. The head coach and the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame were both running backs back in their heydays. But as Blyer explains in his memoir, they weren't the biggest guys on their teams. They had other valuable skills, surviving on things like versatility, good hands, and steady blocking. They were well-rounded, just like Blyer. And he realized the reason they'd likely recruited him was because he reminded them a little of their younger selves. That very offensive coordinator once saying, a halfback is half tank, half cat. So Blyer ran with that insight in practice, showing off his cat-like agility and using his compact frame to his advantage. And suddenly, in his sophomore year, Blyer played his first college game in the fourth quarter. Then, he started a game. And by the end of the 1965 season, Blyer had the best rushing average on the team, not in spite of his size, but because of it. Come his junior year, Blyer was fighting for a spot as a regular starter. But he was overlooked. All summer, he practiced, but the job went to his teammate. Then just before the season officially kicked off, said teammate pulled a hamstring, and Blyer was called to start. In Blyer's first year as a starter, Notre Dame became the number one team in the country. And by his final year of college, he had only one wish, to become captain. He prayed. He nearly lost his girlfriend he wanted it so bad. She was ready to settle down, and he only had one thing on his mind. The 1967 season. The current captain, quote, gushed charisma. He won his captain election by a unanimous vote. Next to him, Blyer looked like a little boy. He wasn't sure he could command that same respect. But before the season began, the team filled out their ballots. The next day, Blyer's picture appeared in the South Bend Tribune. The caption read, Jim Lynch, square-jawed captain of the 1966 National Champions, passes the captaincy to his successor, Rocky Blyer, the baby-faced running back from Appleton, Wisconsin. His prayers were answered. 
But as the caption so eloquently stated, not only was Blyer being compared to the reigning captain's chiseled jaw and broad shoulders, the team was coming off a championship year. Expectations were high. Notre Dame lost two of their first four games in the 1967 season, and Blyer says those losses hit him even harder as captain. Last year, there was a palpable hunger in the locker room. Now, that yearning for victory had all but disappeared. So Blyer spoke to the coaches, who let him in on an important insight. The offensive coordinator said yes, as always, the team lost some key players to graduation. But moreover, in his experience, after a team tastes success, they often don't want it as badly a second time. So together they made a plan. They'd make technical adjustments to accommodate for the new makeup of the team. And most importantly, they'd appeal to team pride, inspiring the players to leave it all out on the field. And with that, they won the next six consecutive games. They finished the season at 8-2. and two. They didn't make the playoffs, but Blyer played the finest game of his college career. 59 yards and two touchdowns. Pro scouts were always in the stands, and he hoped while they made their notes on the best players in the league for NFL spots, they jotted down the number 28 in the margins. And we'll be right back. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Blyer said he had several liabilities when it came to his scouting prospects as an NFL running back. He wasn't the biggest in the league or the fastest. He'd suffered a few injuries, and sometimes, he says running backs were seen as physically used up after absorbing four years' worth of blows from college defenses. And turns out, his concerns weren't entirely unfounded. These are a few of the standout lines from the scouting reports on Rocky Blyer. Not great prospect as a running back. Doesn't accelerate like he should. Not tough or strong. Not what we're looking for. And does not have one great special talent to make him an outstanding pro prospect. Then on January 30th of the following year, it was the 1968 NFL Draft. Flyer sat by the phone, waiting, wishing, but a full day passed and he heard nothing. He watched seven of his Notre Dame teammates get drafted, one after another. By day two of the draft, he decided to pour himself a couple beers. He says since he rarely drank, they got the job done quickly. He was tired of waiting by the phone, rejected. At 10 p.m., he flicked on the news. After a long 12-hour day, the draft was in its 16th round, second to last. Blyer says the general managers in the audience were all yawning, and the NFL spokesperson made his way to the front of the fancy ballroom at the Belmont Plaza Hotel in New York City. He leaned into the mic and said, Pittsburgh Steelers take Rocky Blyer, running back Notre Dame. He was the 417th overall pick. Blyer says he wasn't sure he heard correctly, considering his current drunken state and the state of the Pittsburgh Steelers as a team. He didn't know whether to laugh or cry. Here's a little context. The Steelers team was founded in 1933 by a businessman named Arthur, or Art, Rooney. Pittsburgh was known as the heart of America's steel industry, hence the Steelers. In the nearly 40 years after Art Rooney signed the rights to his new NFL franchise, the Steelers had never won a championship of any kind, not even a division title. Sports Illustrated called them the, quote, basement dwellers of the NFL. Hence, Blyer's conflicting emotions. He wasn't sure whether he should be disappointed to be drafted to such a lousy team or just grateful to be drafted at all. Behind the scenes at the draft that night, conversations were going something like this. Around the 10th round, Pittsburgh started mulling over Blyer. 
by the 13th round, they were thinking he might be their guy. And after the 15th round came and went, they decided he was a steal. No pun intended. What they realized was that though he wasn't the fastest, strongest, or biggest, he had all the intangible skills one looks for in a player. Blyer says the scouts put him in the category of competent, hard-nosed, productive college players who have glaring physical weaknesses. To sum up, they decided to take a chance on Blyer for his heart. So over the next few months, Blyer put together a rigorous training regimen for himself. He would become stronger and bigger and tougher, as though his future depended on it. And suddenly, he actually started getting excited about the team. He packed everything he owned into his Mustang convertible and was headed east to Pittsburgh. After getting lost more than once, Blyer found his way to the Roosevelt Hotel, where he was being put up by the team. He liked Pittsburgh. Compared to the flat Midwest, he was captivated by the city's hillside. He checked into the hotel, then drove over to the Steelers HQ for his official introduction to the coaches and a physical exam. He'd put on almost 20 pounds since his last weigh-in, which was thrilling. He was stronger and bulkier than ever. Now they couldn't call him weak. After the physical, Blyer walked back out to his car to head to training camp, only to find the back seat completely empty. Blyer was robbed of everything he owned, his clothes, his guitar, and even his football shoes. All gone. But Blyer says in his memoir, bad as that was, there was worse news waiting for him at the training camp. Being drafted by an NFL team does not guarantee a spot on the active roster. As 2005 Oakland draft pick Ryan Riddle put it, it's merely a prelude to a dream. There was still a lot of proving himself ahead for Blyer. But when he walked in, ready to show the coaches what he could do, he was surprised to hear they'd done a little shuffling. He wouldn't be a running back like he'd thought. Instead, they wanted him to be what's called a flanker. Here's why that was a problem. Remember how Blyer bulked up 20 pounds? That was because he thought he'd be catching passes and blocking, the role of a running back. He says a flanker, on the other hand, needed to be limber, able to make quick cuts and deft moves. Those extra 20 pounds made quick cuts near impossible. As a flanker, there was no way he'd make the team. As training camp progressed, some of the older players took the rookies out drinking, an age-old tradition. But right away, Blyer could tell this was no run-of-the-mill initiation night. The veteran players weren't trying to get to know him. They pitied him. He'd later find out they thought he was too slow, too top-heavy, too injury-prone, and they were just taking him out to show him a good time before he was inevitably cut. As the season began, Blyer found himself on the bench, but the team itself wasn't doing so well either. Then Blyer was summoned to the head coach's office. Blyer says in pro football, that could only mean one thing. He was cut. 
He started replaying everything he'd done wrong in practice up until that point. Every botched pivot, every fumble. He walked in terrified and took a seat. The coach told him he'd received a letter from the United States government. Blyer wasn't being cut from the team. He was being drafted to the Vietnam War. The United States has tried repeatedly, without success, to obtain a list of the hundreds of American prisoners held by the North It was Vietnam. the end of 1968. The Vietnam War had been raging for over a decade, and the United States' involvement was at its peak, with over 500,000 U.S. soldiers on the ground. The Steelers' coach told Blyer not to worry. They'd take care of it for him for one reason. He was a promising player who'd likely make the team. Blyer said it was in that moment he blacked out. If the coach said anything after that, he couldn't remember. He'd likely make the team? Over the next weeks, the Steelers used what contacts they had to get Blyer an exemption for being a pro athlete, or at least get him into a reserve unit or the National Guard. That way, he had the best possible chance of remaining stateside and maybe even continue to train with the Steelers in the meantime. One month later, Blyer got a second letter. This one started with, Greetings from the President. It wasn't going away. He says he was being pulled in so many different directions. At just 22 years old, he never stopped to think about what the right move might have been for him. All he knew was that he was scared and that he was so close to his dream. He started wishing he could just get injured in practice. Then he wouldn't have to go. The Steelers then tried getting Blyer into the Marines. But on November 27, 1968, a final letter arrived. Blyer said he opened it so gingerly, half expecting it to explode. And it kind of did. He was ordered to report at 7 a.m. the next morning. He says quite literally overnight, he went from a promising player in the National Football League to U.S. number 52861914. Blyer was devastated. He'd done everything he was supposed to do. He had the chance of a lifetime in his hands, and as quickly as the opportunity came, it all slipped away. He'd traded training camp for basic training, where he says harassment was a way of life. He says an attitude of total acceptance was the only thing that would get him through the days. All he could do was learn, focus, and survive. He was taught wilderness skills and assigned to a company. Then, Blyer and his company were shipped out to Vietnam. Blyer was assigned a role. He would carry the M79 grenade launcher. He describes it as looking like a snub-nosed rifle that would essentially shoot grenades shaped like large bullets. Along with the launcher, he had to carry 60 grenades around with him at all times, each weighing roughly one pound, making the total weight of his gear a hundred pounds. He says he felt like a pack horse, and he looked like one. For the first 100 days, he didn't see action. Then, from intelligence, his company got word that another squad was under fire. 
and Blyer's company was sent out to help them. Blyer's company reached the soldiers in need. They started tending to the wounded and carrying back those that had lost their lives. They needed to transport them to a secured area, which would mean crossing an open rice paddy. So they marched, single file. The only thing Blyer could hear was the sound of boots in the mud and his own heart beating. Until the unmistakable and chilling echo of an automatic rifle. Blyer and his company all dove in different directions, then crawled to nearby ditches. Blyer managed to get himself out of the open field when he felt someone punch him in the leg. But when he looked down, he realized he was hit, but not in the way he thought. He'd been shot directly through his left thigh. He looked up at the cloudy sky, now raining with bullets. There was nothing he could do but lie in the ditch, putting pressure on his now four-inch wound and praying he'd survive. Blyer had lost his pack in the chaos, but managed to find some sterile gauze. The medic told him they needed to get to a safer location in order to wrap up his leg properly. So Blyer crawled on an open wound over 150 yards. And though it was torture, Blyer said when they finally made it to safety, the relief eclipsed the pain. But before he could fully catch his breath, there it was again, the sound of a machine gun, even closer this time. They were ambushed, and Blyer was exposed with no mobility and no protection. Then a grenade came flying in his direction. It bounced off the back of his commanding officer and rolled right toward Blyer's feet. He had less than a second to decide which way to jump, and in that second, the grenade exploded. Blyer lost all sense of feeling and movement in his right foot. He couldn't bend his toes. Shrapnel had perforated his uniform, and he was losing blood. Then in that moment, a miracle. A third American platoon arrived just in time, and the fire ceased. Blyer was told there was a medevac helicopter three or four kilometers away. So they rolled Blyer onto a poncho, and four soldiers took the corners. They'd carry him through the field until the poncho ripped. They took turns tossing Blyer over their shoulders. But eventually, the dehydrated, wounded soldiers couldn't bear his weight any longer without collapsing. They had no choice but to drag him the remaining 500 meters. By the time they reached the choppers, it had taken six hours to haul Blyer four kilometers. Fourteen hours had passed since the first gunshot to his thigh. He was in agony. With so many wounded, the first two helicopters were full. They'd have to wait an additional two hours for his turn. By 5 a.m. the next morning, he'd finally reached the hospital in Da Nang. Blyer underwent surgery to remove 100 pieces of shrapnel from his foot and legs. He had nerve damage, infection, and broken bones. Amazingly, he didn't lose his foot, 
but he couldn't feel it. While in the hospital bed, Blyer was given his mail, along with that day's Stars and Stripes Army newspaper to read. He flipped through the pages and saw a photo of himself. The caption read, Rocky Blyer, ex-football player. The prefix X before football player was like a bullet to the heart. Soon, Blyer was flown to another hospital in Tokyo, where he asked the doctor when he'd be cleared to play football again. The doctor told him he was going to learn to walk again and live a normal life. He would do all the things regular people do. But to be clear, he'd never see the gridiron again. He said you'll never have the strength to do all things necessary to be a running back in the NFL. It's impossible. Blyer had survived. That was the most important thing. But he knew he'd never thrive without football. In that moment, all the hope he had of achieving his dreams was gone. He couldn't run. He couldn't walk. Not without a cane. He cried every night. Then one day, he was handed some more mail. This time, he got a postcard. It was from the Pittsburgh Steelers owner, Art Rooney. It said... Rock, the team's not doing well. We need you. In the next episode, Rocky Blyer visits his old coach at Notre Dame, who gives him some upsetting news. The Steelers have a changing of the guard, and the team that drafted Blyer for his heart gets to see it in action. Join us next week for Rejecting Rocky Blyer, Part 2. The Rejection Podcast is an apostrophe podcast production and is recorded in our Airstream mobile recording studio. This series is hosted and written by me, Sydney O'Reilly. Research, Allison Pinches. Director, Callie O'Reilly. Engineer, Jeff Devine. Producer, Debbie O'Reilly. We regret to inform you, our theme music is by Ian Lefevre and Ari Posner. The major source for this episode is Fighting Back by Rocky Blyer with Terry O'Neill. Other significant sources are listed in the show notes on our website. Follow us on social at apostrophe pod. If you enjoyed this episode, you might also like Rejecting Kurt Warner from Season 2. Rate and review this podcast wherever you like to listen. And while you're there, let us know of any rejection stories you'd like to hear. This series is executive produced by martial artist Terry O'Reilly. See you next time. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.